ZFM, which we talk about in this conversation, has been through lots of changes. And one of those changes is that neither me or Emma work with them anymore. And ZFM isn't even called ZFM anymore. I, th- I think that they will come out in the future as a iPhone app called The Super Times, but they're in development at the moment. Have a listen to the episode with Aisha and Abdul and you'll get a little bit more about what they do and what that was about. And now, on with the show. I often say to them, it's just like us having a conversation. Yeah. You know, it's it's that. So don't worry about the microphone. It's, it's, it's like you're having a conversation with me. And I think that whether they listen and take heed or not, I don't know. But I think it hopefully puts them at ease. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Emma. Hello, Emma. Hello. Hi. So there's two questions that I ask everyone to start with. And the first one is, how did you meet me? Bit of an egotistic one. That's a good question. That is a good starting point. How did I meet you? I met you because we have a... Well, he's your friend, he's sort of become a friend of mine, and I have worked with him on a few things now, Matt. And we met, I can't remember if we met first time in that bar in Old Street, I think it was. We all turned out for that Hackney Here. The Hackney Here launch party. Yeah, the launch party of the audio app thing. But I'd known that you were involved with ZFM, so I'd sort of heard your name, um, seen your name written down on emails and things before then, and then we were introduced at the launch party in Austria. Yeah, that was a sort of strange time to meet new people, actually. There was lots of sort of people I knew around and lots of things going on. I met you, and then it was one of those sort of, then you meet somebody else, and then you meet someone. I get networking, that's what it's called, isn't it? I think there was quite a lot of networking going on. I, t- I brought my old housemate along because I didn't want to turn up on my own. I knew Aisha would be there. I knew sort of other people associated with ZFM would be there. I knew Matt would be there. But I didn't want to turn up on my own, so I recruited my old housemate, also called Dave, to come along with me. And he was chatting, I think, to Abdul quite a bit that night. I think they're both sort of tech geeks. Oh, that's good. It's always good when you bring someone who can network to a networking event. Yeah. I think it'd be terrible to be at one of those things and you have no reason to yeah. network with have, other people. I have no interest either, and he does have interest in that, so that was good. He was my wingman for that evening, so that's yeah. nice. The other question <laughs> is, what do you do now? I guess that most people probably say, what do you mean for a living? People do say that, yeah, and then I say, well, <laughs> and then it's like, well, you it can as you define like. it as yeah. you like, yeah. Uh, what do I do now? <laughs> I, I probably very boringly will define it by what I do for a living. I'm a radio journalist. Well, I'm a broadcast journalist and I've been working in radio for the past sort of 18 months. So I've been freelancing, so I just sort of, you know, it's working in news, like I say, as a journalist. So I go to different radio stations and work on their news desks for however long they want me there. So, um, yeah, that's what I do for a living terms of other things I'm living in London and trying to make ends meet <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough which yeah. is the same as quite a lot of the people that I, I speak to on this show yeah I can um, imagine so when you say a broadcast journalist do you mean somebody who presents or who's behind the scenes a bit of both actually the stations I work for you know they sort of put you to work at everything they can't afford I'm guessing <laughs> 
probably quite mean of me to say, but they can't, you know, radio isn't what it used to be. They can't afford to employ sort of 10 people to run a news desk. You need to be able to produce, interview, edit, and read the news as well. So the great thing is, in the job I do is that I do get to do a little bit of everything so oh, I'm out and about reporting and interviewing people and like I say editing that audio and then getting it all ready and writing the scripts and reading the news live too so yeah it's a nice mix that's nice that's yeah. nice and varied and loads of skills that you can yeah. sort of learn and yeah. take on to other places that's really cool yeah definitely when I was studying broadcast journalism you know all our tutors are very much saying you know you need to learn everything never say no to an opportunity if it sort of you know gives you a new skill because I think in this industry at the moment you just need to be as employable as possible and as multi-skilled as possible so yeah that's always been so you studied to be a broadcast journalist yes just for sort of a nine month thing like it was a post-grad sort of vocational course where you literally just learn the practicalities of the industry it wasn't all sort of theory and stuff it was all like how to interview someone and how to press record on a now I'm scared because <laughs> I'm interviewing someone who yeah. knows how to interview exactly. in fact that's interesting because I mean that's that's already been quite in a way it's been clear because you've been get oh that's a good you know that's the way yeah, you know yeah. you've, you've been kind of commenting on, on the, the interview, interview which is good I like that Makes me a little bit nervous, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> well, it's quite nice being interviewed for a change and putting yourself in that, those people's shoes every once in a while. And yeah, that's... A lot of people I talk to can be quite, you know, they're not sort of media people. They're, they have normal, proper jobs and, yeah. you know, interesting jobs, and they can be often quite nervous when you put a microphone in front of them. And I always forget what that must feel like, and I sort of... I'm not impatient, obviously, I hope I'm not impatient, but I sort of think, oh, it's strange that you're so nervous, and, you know, but then I think, oh, well, there's a reason, you know, people do distrust the media sometimes, and... Well, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's sort of good to remind yourself of that every once in a while. Well, that's been one of the interesting kind of things about this project, is that people do forget that the mic's there, but they are a bit worried about it at the beginning. Mm. There's always this moment, because at the end I ask people to say goodbye to the audience, <laughs> okay. and that's when they remember, and yeah. they go, ah... Goodbye, audience, but they feel a bit awkward. Yeah. Like, like you say, they're normal, real people. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always try and, and it's, it is interesting doing this because I try and set up when I interview people and it's all pre recorded, you know, and you have time to set up the microphone and things and get them prepped. I often say to them, it's just like us having a conversation, yeah. you know, it's, it's that. So don't worry about the microphone. It's, it's, it's like having a conversation with me. And I think that whether they listen and take heed or not, I don't know, but. I think it hopefully puts some of these a little bit more. Well, that's the strange thing about this show as well, because most interviews you hear are much longer conversations and then they're edited mm. down and often the, the interviewer is edited out and all that stuff. And I do edit them, but they're long form. They're designed to be longer. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that can, can appeal about the show. It's also one of the things that, I guess, puts people a bit at ease because mm -hmm. they know that they are less likely to be misrepresented because it's a long-form thing. Absolutely, yes. You know, you can't take things out of context. And it is bizarre. Not that, you know, I would say I ever do that. I don't. I try, try my hardest not to. But with commercial radio news, which I work in, you know, we can be interviewing for five minutes, two-way conversations. You know, I'm as much a part of that conversation. And then when you actually get to editing it, you know, you take sort of 15-second sound bites of what they're saying so mm. you, like you say the interviewer is edited out completely and um it's it's a tiny representation of the entire conversation but there's a real art to that as well i mean that's something that i kind of uh, 
aspire to as well in, in the I mean when I'm editing quite often I edit myself so that at least I sound coherent actually the people I'm talking to normally do sound coherent yes. uh, it's always me that sounds incoherent <laughs> there was an episode of on the media which is a NPR show that's also released as a podcast mm. where they they showed uh, kind of behind the scenes and they, they did a, a take of an actual bit of interview they'd done and then they played it as it was oh, right. taken out and I was like wow you know so much of the eloquence that we hear on the radio is created mm. I guess by people like like yourself by the editing and, and the that's producing, a great yeah. I think that's a great art and and even though I'm making something like this which is designed to be kind of showing the process and being kind of realistic I guess mm. I think there is a great art to constructing precise pieces yeah well that's nice and I guess I'd have to subscribe to that because you know that's sort of what I do and yeah. it's a nice way to look at it actually yeah sort of crafting something and being quite artful in crafting it and, and I think that's sometimes where there is this sort of idea that journalists are sort of truth tellers or at least that's what they're held up to be you know they're mm. sort of they're expected to be that but ultimately at the same time not to sound too worthy or anything but news is a commodity you know and it, it is another form of entertainment in a way information and, and sort of entertainment two can go hand in hand so yeah there is a sort of an artfulness and a creativity I think behind it and you do need those sort of skills at crafting something I think I would think so. I mean the thing is if I look at it from because I mean mostly what I do is make art I guess I, I would call myself an artist although I always wince a little bit when I do say <laughs> that because I know how people consider that when they hear it but I mean when you make art to, in order to tell a truth you have to edit stuff down mm -hmm. because you know that's that's what makes it stronger it's much better to have an edited manuscript than an unedited manuscript yeah. if you write a novel and you don't edit it it's not going to connect with people and I actually think audiences want editing they want mm. you and people like you to make stuff accessible but where I guess they get worried is when they don't know how much you know how yeah. much it's it's how much it's constructed yeah and, and that's I mean, I, I think it's sort of, it would be good if everybody, I think people are quite media savvy now. They are aware that things yeah, are edited. Yeah, I think they're getting, yeah, exactly. Um, they have to be, I think, yeah, yeah. media savvy. But I mean, I think it's, it's about trust, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You have to trust. So the, the reason that the interviews that I'm doing work is because people know me and they, they may have all sorts of opinions about me that are negative, but the one thing that they do think is that I will not misrepresent yeah. them and if they want something cut or whatever I'll cut it and they don't feel that sometimes with people on the media side I guess yeah yeah there's perhaps a sort of a distance there because you don't see the nuts and bolts so often and you don't really know what's what goes on in a, in a news studio or in a radio studio or whatever because it is a different sort of you know everyone has access to those studios and that equipment so they're not quite sure what goes on so it's perhaps that sort of level of so Secrecy if we were to draw back the curtain like uh, <laughs> the wizard of Oz, in the wizard of Oz, <laughs> yeah. what 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 does go on then what is it like in a, in a news, sort of news office <laughs> <laughs> it's quite you know i mean i think everyone says this about their own job don't they but it's not glamorous it's not sort of, i mean unless i've just not been in the glamorous news offices but i would always say it's exciting it just because it might not be sort of shiny and glamorous and lots of sort of i don't know 
posh floor to ceiling windows looking out over the city or whatever I mean it's exciting you know you sort of walk in there and there's a buzz like I was working on the day the news of the world announced you know that it would be closing oh, well, and that yeah. it would be the last ever edition and we'd sort of we had the rolling news channels on the whole time and and, and we'd always sort of because this, this story has obviously been bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and, and everyone in the newsroom that I was working in was sort of like is this a story that anyone cares about or is it just journalists that care about this because you know at that stage mm-hmm. it was sort of just celebrities who were sort of potential victims and things like that and we'd all pretty much agree this is just something that the media care about it's like a media story for the media yeah. about the media but then obviously it, it grew and it grew and it grew and other things were coming out and being reported and so we could see it sort of gathering momentum and then the news broke that uh, that the news of the world on sunday would be the last one and you know we're all sort of dumbfounded and talking about it and i love the fact that in my job you work with people who are interested in the news and with similar tastes obviously to to yourself and and it's just a really fun environment to sort of be working in, having to respond really quickly to things you know get things on the airwaves with seconds and minutes to write something and you have to be completely happy that it's legally sound and yeah. that you know you sort of use all that training that you've got and that you're not going to get anyone in trouble and yeah it is fun and fast-paced at times and exciting and I, I feel very lucky to be working yeah like I mean it sounds exciting <laughs> so have you always wanted to be a broadcast journalist? Um, no, I wouldn't have said no. Always, no. <laughs> like, you weren't like a nine-year-old and you go, no. I want to be on the news. No, no exactly. I, thought, I think I always thought the newsreaders, you know, on BBC that were very glamorous and I sort of thought that would be fun. So I guess I would They only let glamorous women on Yeah, exactly. I've sort of noticed that now. <laughs> you Edwards is <laughs> Not quite as glamorous, Glam. no. But I, they were always people I guess I thought were yeah exciting yeah so they were always in my mind maybe that sort of look no when I was like when I was much littler I wanted to be an archaeologist <laughs> like, an archaeologist like Indiana Jones oh yeah. cool wow I sort of wanted to be I always thought that the ideal job would be a job you could wear jeans to luckily journalists wear jeans all the time so I've sort of You've managed I've managed to, to find a job that wears jeans but I always used to think you know as an archaeologist you'd just be scrabbling around in the dust in jeans and you know an old scrubby t-shirt and that would be yeah digging up the stuff and that always used to that was what I wanted to do well, I guess you're sort of digging around in, yeah. in things in a different way yeah, as a, that's as true, a maybe. journalist yeah uncovering things exploring things yeah when do you think you sort of decided or when did you sort of that you were going to become a journalist when did that sort of um well I always liked reading and reading books I still do and I read loads of books as a kid and then so it sort of I guess you sort of get filtered through the education system you know you go to school you figure out what it is you want to do you're asked to choose what A levels you want to do so you choose if you carry on you know into college you choose those and I chose English and so I was sort of because of the school system as it is I ended up doing English further and further and further and carried on doing English and then at some point Someone said to me, okay, so do you want to be a teacher then? Because you're doing English Ugh. and the presumably the only job you can ever do with English is a teacher. And I said, no, I really, I have no interest in teaching really. Never have for whatever reason. I think it just is too hard. I really do think it's too hard for me. I don't have the patience. And 
I just respect teachers a lot, but I could never be one. Nearly all of my family are teachers, <laughs> yeah. apart from me, so I, I can I can understand what, yeah. you, what, what you're saying. It scares me being in front of that many kids. Oh, it really yeah. does terrify me. And I was thinking, well, is that the only option with English degree or whatever you've got? Was it English literature? Yeah, it was literature, yeah. And English and American, because I really liked the American writers as well. So I've always liked America as a place. Sort of had this romantic notion in me. Yeah, so I did that. And then I sort of have always been interested in politics and research and sort of things like that. And I've always watched the news and read the newspapers and stuff. So I thought, well, maybe you could go into journalism and employ it like that as well. So rather than just teaching the subject maybe you could sort of use language so yeah I stumbled upon that as a career and, and it carried clicked. on and it sort of clicked yeah and it's been a bit of a slog it's not been easy but no. yeah it's sort of panning out just about <laughs> it's been hard graft then mm, yeah because I guess in whatever industry you go into you don't go in at the top level no exactly so you don't you've get to be the person appearing on TV straight away yeah although I guess when I say always, that's not always the case. Some people do go yeah. straight to the top, yeah, but absolutely. most of us don't, I guess. No, most people don't. And and it's still... Yeah, there are always those people, I think, who just get a, a really lucky break or who are there at the, in the right time, the right place, the right time. Or know the right people. Or, or know the right people. There's <laughs> definitely that. No, it's true. I guess that's definitely true. Um, and I would my one my one piece of advice actually for any budding journalist would be to exploit the hell out of any contact you have and mm. don't have any shame about it. Just well, that would do be it. my advice for, for any budding <laughs> for artist any budding, or musician anything, or anything. Yeah, yeah. any so, anything you can get get yeah, you know, do it. Take and it. people network as we we started off talking about this sort of very networking thing and. Are you a good it. networker? Um, no, I'm not. Cause I'm terrible yeah, at it. I'm, I'm really, bad. really bad. I, I always, I thought you'd be a good one because you're, you know, you seem like you're always nice, and every time I meet you, you seem like a nice <laughs> person. Whereas I, I always feel like when I meet people, I'm, I don't know, weird at them. <laughs> I've always, I've got way better at small talk, and my confidence is has grown definitely. But no, I mean, I. I wish I could, and I've got I've got a really good story, and I won't name check anyone because okay. <laughs> well I'll name check the famous person. Yeah. But um, I was at an anniversary event at the Imperial War Museum for the Falklands War because I've got connections into the military sort of defence reporting and journalism world, and um, Brian Hanrahan, like the man from oh, war reporting, yes. is there. He's giving a speech, and I am there with a friend who knows him. So you know he sort of comes around as he's mingling in the room after the chat and he's talking to people and me and my friend are sort of hanging back this is a different girl who doesn't know him they're sort of hanging back and just sort of trying to play it cool and you know <laughs> sipping our drinks and looking all very sort of professional and then another person who I know walked straight up to Brian Hanrahan put her hand out shook his hand said hello you know this is I'm I'm whoever I am and chat 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 I'd love to get your contact details. I'd love to throw you, you know, a couple of emails and maybe stay in touch. And obviously, Brian Hanrahan, being the lovely man that he is, gracefully gave his email or gracefully took hers. I don't quite know. And that, and that's a contact there, right there, like Brian Hanrahan. And me and my friend are sort of hanging back and just looking at this and thinking, I wish I could just walk yeah. past through a room, past loads of different people, past strangers, up to a stranger, 
put my hand out and introduce myself like that. But I've never been able to. See, <laughs> but it's, it's it's judging it right as well. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm either in the situation like you you are where you, you're hanging back and you're going, God, I, I can't do this, <laughs> or or I'm or I am the person that walks through the room straight to the famous person and says something stupid <laughs> uh, and ruins it. I've been to a few kind of. They felt like very important networking events. Well, I, but I, w- I went to the I was at the studio student radio awards a oh, few yeah. years in a row, and I met Steve Lamac. Oh yeah, yeah. And I ended up just saying to him because John Peel had just died, and he knew John Peel, yeah, which man. is stupid of me to say this, but I was like, <laughs> now John Peel's died. It's you. You're the only person who's going to be representing independent music and here's my CD and I thought like, why have I said that why have I said now that John why have I started the sentence to him now that John Peel is dead you know he, he knows that man <laughs> it's not uh, and, you know that that's the thing I can be really unfortunately was he quite graceful and gracious yeah they always are they always the people are. I put my foot in <laughs> yeah I mean that's the other I'm, I, like, I come across as desperate I think when I do these <laughs> things like at the, the Sony Awards I I gave my, my CD to Lauren Laverne and she took it gracefully and nice. uh, and all of the people who are important in fact there was like Stuart McConey and everybody that's important yeah. but um, I, I'm sure that the desperation just they just got it from me. I don't think I would be as desperate now, actually. I think... I think the older you get, the more peace you are with things, you yeah. know? I, when I was younger, I felt like it was really important. To yeah. I think, I've, unfortunately, I think I've gone the flip side. I sort of, when I was starting out, and, you know, I was so nervous, and, and this Brian Hanrahan incident I was mentioning is, is, you know, a good few years ago. And those people who cross a room and talk to influential decision makers are the ones you know sort of really high flying yeah that would be defined as sort of high flying career and I have definitely got more at peace with myself in that I sort of know what I want now and I know my own definition of success and what happiness is and success is to me and I've sort of I've never felt comfortable with being that person so I think I've just sort of I've just I've come to a realization where I'm I'm okay with that now and and it might mean that I'm never sort of Kate Adey or whatever or sort of the person on Sky News outside Downing Street or whatever but that's okay and I think I've never wanted to sort of be someone else and I think crossing that room and making those sort of big gestures would have been a betrayal of who I was so I that's can see okay what you mean, me. yeah. and I think the thing is as well. It's, it's <laughs> the thing is, it's remembering that they're a person, mm. and I mean, because it's a slightly different thing as well. Because I mean, I'm I've always been from the point of view of I make art, discover me. Um, whereas you, you're 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 looking to make kind of connections that are more lasting and useful, and that, and potentially you've got something to offer them. Mm. Whereas I've only got something to offer them if I'm as brilliant as I think I am, and if I make out that I'm really brilliant to them that doesn't necessarily make them think I'm brilliant as well. <laughs> but I mean what I think that I need to do in sort of networking situations is to be more like that to just go and talk to them not not give them my CD yeah, straight away as soon as I see them yeah, I mean I always think I'm never going to get in this room again mm, I'm never going to really... be with these people again so I have to this yeah. is my one chance and yeah. I've got to just not do that but I don't know I think that's something that's a really cool way to look at it as well because you have to take your chances when you get them and you know live with that sort of spontaneous like bravery thing I guess so. and I think sometimes I can maybe not be brave enough 
I think it's just luck though, all of these things, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, like that, it's like luck. What I don't like about networking is it just seems so false. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm quite capable of having conversations with people, but I don't want it to be with all, you know, it, it'd be just nice to end up being with somebody useful that we get into a conversation rather than we have a sort of weird Yeah, I know what you mean, thing. but I think the get the rules of the game are so well known now that like the people you're networking with know what you're doing. It's so conscious, yeah. you know, they're, every, everyone's very self-conscious. Because of that, you can't really look like a fool anymore because they're signed up to the same game you are. You can look like a fool, <laughs> believe me, it's really easy. <laughs> it's just, but the thing is, because it's just whatever you think you shouldn't say, that's sometimes what comes out that's of your mouth if you're a certain, certain yeah. kind of person. Or like, actually, I was remembering this this week. What, I was in a Manchester club once and I bumped into Dave Gorman, the comedian, yeah. who did Are You Dave Gorman? That's right. Yeah. Now, he was coming up the stairs and I was going down the stairs. And I was very drunk. <laughs> and I genuinely was confused. Do you know how when you see famous people, yeah, you, you, know, you've been to school you know them and you're like, what's going on? Yeah. And, and then so I was like, are you Dave Gorman? Like <laughs> saying his catchphrase, he was annoyed by this. He must be having this all the time. Yeah. But I mean, I I listened to him on another podcast recently, and he was saying, you know, what annoys him about it is, you know, it was it was a true story. It wasn't a catchphrase. He was trying to do something true, and yeah. everybody sort of big, you know, and he was getting all of these offers for years after, you mm. know, playing on this. Are you Dave Gorman? Where he was, you know, will you turn up in a sitcom and someone says, Are you Dave Gorman? So I mean, I guess he was probably annoyed about that. And maybe he shouldn't have been, maybe he should have been, I don't know. My friend who is with me thinks that celebrities should put up with this stuff because they're <laughs> celebrities. But he's not much of, I mean, no, I don't want to offend him in a different way, but he, he's not a big foot, you know. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have to name. put up with it quite as much. Exactly. <laughs> that got that off to the wrong foot. Well, that sounds like a genuine, you know, honest you know. mistake. Well, yeah, <laughs> but then the next, the next, how I tried to save it was I asked him about his new book and I like, was like, well, what's that about? Um, like, you know, and, and he was like, well, you should buy it and, you know. Wanted, well yeah so it didn't really go down well but I think he was just there with some mates like I try now I look back at it and I think hang on yeah. how would I have reacted you know uh, well it's impossible to put yourself in their position sometimes isn't it because it is. you just they I yeah I've never never been able to sort of say whether I'd be a, a good celebrity or a bad celebrity would I be friendly to people or would I just find them you know be impatient and and sort of try and get rid of them. No, and there are like I, I'm not going to name name names for this <laughs> one, but there are at the definitely at the at the Sony Radio Awards, there were nice celebrities. <laughs> I can say them actually. Yeah. Uh, Frank Skinner was really nice to oh. me, but, and uh, Adam and Joe were really nice. Um, yeah, they were really humble as well, yeah. which is what I would hope that I would be if I was ever in their position <laughs> I'd like to be humble and they haven't had an easy career as well so right. I guess that's why yeah, maybe, maybe that's why they're the humble way, yeah. yeah but there were some celebrities who were really rude and horrible to people and I'm not going to name names just in case I tried to get a job <laughs> yeah. around them and that was a strange experience because one of the things because it's funny to be talking because I don't often talk about this but one of the things people don't realise about things like being nominated for a Sony Radio mm. award, which was great I mean for a po- it was for a podcast series but it was it's fantastic it looked great on my CV but it cost so much money to get into that awards yeah, ceremony yeah man I know yeah so like, you it's must the have same that. with the journalism yeah. stuff you know these awards ceremonies do look great 
on CVs and on radio stations, billboards saying mm. we have been nominated for this, whatever, or we've got newsreader of the year or whatever. But then, um, yeah, you have to pay money to, to submit your, you know, any sort of candidate for a newsreader, journalist, reporter, whatever, or station, you have to pay to do it. And I've only recently found this out. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, really, and a, sh- a shame, a real shame. And it sort of means that the smaller stations, you know, the that have less money sloshing around are underrepresented and because um, the BBC can afford to pay for the everybody to go who should go mm. and like it was just me and and Matt our mm-hmm. mutual friend and uh, the star of the show that we produced and it was a po- we did it for free you know we did it mm. for free as a podcast and we all had to find the money and I guess it was that's why you get in that mindset of like I'm never going to be in this room again mm. we didn't win we didn't even uh, get a you know there was bronze silver and gold and you're like you know it's a strange one though the podcast award category actually because it's chalk and cheese in mm. the same category you know you're not against mm. other dramas or other journalism it's all thrown in the yeah same it's all, you're all thrown in the same yeah I think that'll change in I the think future. that it sounds like it will change because I think you know podcasting just has to get a bit more established in sort of popular culture rather yeah. than just sort of in media circles and then hopefully there'll be sort of more distinction between categories and things and yeah absolutely and the, and I mean. Uh, the, the word podcasting is a, <laughs> it, it is a it is a barrier with so many people. people it is. Do get we've t- we've, off by we've the talked idea. about this, haven't we, in number in of meetings? Super, super <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And and I think if um, someone can come up with a better word that in, better encapsulates it as well, because well, we could just call um, it radio. You know, internet yeah, radio. Yeah. We could call it that. Yeah, and the way radio is evolving, perhaps that is be nicer to sort of almost say that this is just an evolution of radio rather than a different part of radio or something so um yeah so i googled you in order to try and work out what to talk to you about (laughs) because i do i I do actually do research like um prep prep work a little bit but it's very ramshackle sure i don't think there's a lot of well you know mostly i just got some singer called emma hill oh really because there's a there's a creative director at Burberry or Mulberry or I think I saw well. that one as well and she's got like emmahill.com and I started getting worried that I was going to sort of come with a load of information that was was not true but I did find out you're involved in something called Sweet Afternoon Radio yes that's right but it's me and a friend a very old friend my um, my best friend from we know, school from school yeah oh. we've known each other since we were 11 Marina and we have both I think about sort of 18 months ago or so we both just felt a bit like I guess a lot of people probably have these moments where you feel like you sort of want to do something that's completely your own and you want to sort of if there's not something out there already that sort of is offering you the perfect job and exactly what you want to do then you sort of have to go out and do it yourself and sort of create it yourself and we are both into radio and wanted a new project and I sort of suggested and had done a bit of research and talking to people like Matt and you know realised that you could sort of just set yourself up as a freelance sort of indie producer and just come up with ideas and I'd sort of had a friend who had been in development research in TV um, and he's sort of very successful doing what he does and he just sort of sits you know around an office all day coming up with ideas for TV programmes and I thought well I sort of know a little bit about it then and why don't I do that for radio and why doesn't Marina do that for radio and why don't we do it together so yeah we sort of just every once in a while when a commissioning round comes around for the BBC or whatever 
we sit down and talk ideas through and then as we live our lives if we see or hear or read anything that interests us we sort of sit down together and think could we make a radio documentary or show about this and yeah and we're, we're enjoying it it's sort of it's it's definitely not a full-time gig obviously it doesn't pay the bills but it's fun and it's sort of we feel like we're contributing something so why 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 the name sweet afternoon what, what, what oh there's a looking? very very worthy worthy reference to that uh, there's a leonard cohen song ah. called take this waltz yes i know which well. uh, is a good one and i think it's just i mean i think i'm not saying anything monumental by suggesting he's a good lyricist no he's, he's probably my favorite <laughs> um, lyricist of oh all cool time, yeah. yeah and um i just love some of his poetry really there's a, a verse in take this waltz where it sort of ends on in the mist of some sweet afternoon and i just liked the way it rolled off the tongue and that sweet afternoon was a, a nice sort of quite twee sort of name and and that's marina and i sort of quite twee and um, <laughs> quite sweet and um, <laughs> yeah so no, it's we nice. went with that <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good it's a good origin story yeah not bad so you're working with somebody that you went to school with that's mm-hmm. an interesting thing to do I've, I sometimes work with people I, I went to school with but it can be it can be a bit too intense for me but I have different friends is it nice to sort of be be working with someone from school it is I mean luckily for us school doesn't define us at all like we've been friends for a long time since obviously I'm <laughs> well beyond school age now <laughs> so um, in fact you know obviously the years that we spent at school together are far less than the sum, the total of our friendship, we've known each other for what, what must it be now, 18 years. Yeah, so we've sort of grown up together and gone to different universities and then come back to the same place and she lives in London now. It is lovely working with her, I mean, you know, I think she'll be fine if I say, you know, we've, we've had our disagreements and actually, perhaps surprisingly, because I've not done this before, but um, the disagreements are about the work, you know, and the sort of either the work ethic on one or the other maybe yeah. one of us thinks and the other one isn't you know doing enough I've certainly been guilty of that you know and she's called me on it and I've I think it's fine and hopefully we've been honest with each other but yeah I mean before we sort of embarked on this project together you know no arguments and then we embark on a project like this and yeah. obviously it becomes more sort of tense and you've both got agendas you've yeah both, that's the thing when I'm when I'm working with my friends from school we have arguments it'll be about the work but then you've got this history to bring up mm. kind of examples with because you know each other very well <laughs> yeah. you can really get into those arguments about the work yeah. that's what I find is the problem it's it is funny because I, I've always thought that I was probably the, the same person that I am in social life around my friends that I am at work you know I sort of I don't see myself shift particularly no. into a different person but at the same time, I think there must be a very sort of subtle subconscious shift because, you know, we all like the way we do things. We all think we probably do them the best way. <laughs> you know, when and when your sort of reputation is is on, you know, is being affected by the work you produce, then obviously both of you are going to take it very, very seriously and be very protective over it. It's like having a child together, you know, <laughs> kind of not the same. Yeah. But I mean, it is like that. It's like you, you've both got something that you are you know you're proud of and you're putting all of your efforts into mm. or lots of your efforts into but you might have different views on how to bring it up yeah do you know what I mean? and all you can do is just sort of listen to the other person hopefully and take you know try and be flexible because i am a bit of a control freak 
<laughs> but I think it's you know I, I'm not I don't always have the right answer and the right way of doing things so I much prefer like collaboration rather than just me dictating things so yeah yeah it's a bit of a learning curve but I think we're settling into it and you know our friendship is as strong as ever it's not going anywhere. well that's really nice yeah. I mean and that's the thing I mean uh, different friends it can work different ways with as well but every time I've collaborated with a friend uh, it's always been, yeah, like you say, a learning curve and a, and a different way to do things. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend tried to do something together, which was, again, very, very strange to do. We haven't done anything since then, actually, but we, we may do again. We're not, we're not against not that idea. Doing, no. yeah. But, but it, it becomes a sort of strange thing where suddenly you have to be objective about things you never even think about normally. Mm. You know, because when you're friends with someone, you don't really analyse what's going on. No. And then suddenly you have to. Yeah. So you went to school together. Are, yep. you, are you from London originally? No, I'm from Sussex. Lovely Sussex originally. We went to school um, down near a town called Haywards Heath, whose claim to fame is uh, that Brett Anderson from Suede went oh, to the right. same school as us, obviously a few years before us. <laughs> but that's our sort of, considering we, you know, we grew up in the 90s and we were proper Britpop girls, we, um, we like that reference to Brett Anderson. So um, it was this small town that no one knows on the London to Brighton line. And we grew up there and lived our whole teenage life there, yeah. Your accent is good for broadcast journalism. <laughs> yeah. yeah I've had, I've had people comment on my accent before and I really like it you know because I think a lot of people there is sort of you know in broadcasting you either have it's sort of defined by whether you sound like me and then there's the opposite of me is like having a regional accent yeah but I often obviously always think well mine is a regional accent too it just happens to be in the, the southeast of England region but yeah I mean I, I like my I like my voice and I've um I think since getting into broadcasting, I've actually tried to emphasise my my accent and my my sort of southeast England roots because I think you know it's who I am. There's no point trying to put on a sort of fake London accent. Really. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, you went, but you went to a comprehensive school, I imagine. Or yeah. Did you not? Is comp is that is that like state school? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing your comprehensive school <laughs> education right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which was yeah, I went to a state, a state secondary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you play netball. I do. Yes, I do but play see, netball. Now that's yeah. something that I didn't have to Google. Yeah. Oh, really? Because you, right. well, you mentioned that mentioned after that a bit. meeting, because you were going oh, yes. to a netball game, and it was it was raining. raining and um, yeah, we do play in the rain. It's outside, unfortunately. Yeah, I've played netball since I was like. 11 and this probably sounds horrible <laughs> just you can imagine the, ugh, some horrible netballer who's really into netball still but um yeah I loved it from the moment I started playing and then I stopped playing when I was like 16 and I'd finished school and I was me and Marina were running around doing other stuff that didn't involve any sort of sport or fitness or no. any sort of interest in your health and then I didn't touch it for like 10 years and then a friend of mine who is in London as well suggested I join the team she plays for. We started in Camden, because I used to live north of the river, and uh, so I started the league in Camden and played once a week, and it was just really fun, and I've made some really good friends, and it's nice to run around, and yeah. So what's, I mean, what's the appeal of netball over other sports? I mean, because I, I mean, I remember girls playing netball at my, at my, at my state school, mm -hmm. so I mean, it's, it, 
for some reason I associate netball with with poshness, but I don't. Mm, think yeah, it's no, nice. I think a lot of people do. But yeah. it, but it, but I mean, they did play. It, and my school certainly wasn't posh, and yeah. uh, they, <laughs> they they played netball there. So it's mm. there's, there's yeah, so everywhere plays it. But I mean, what 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 made it sort of stand out to you rather than I don't know basketball? Yeah. Or I guess it's more girl. Yeah, it was all it. sort of you know, I like team sports. I think over individual sports. Full stop. You know, a lot of people now they're running and running marathons and all that stuff, and that's great. But I would just find it so boring. I'm you know, if I'm going to run around sporty wise then I'm, I'm, I'd much rather sort of do it in a team game so yeah and, and it was just I guess one of the first team games I played growing up and are you good at it I was very I was good at school yeah I was like captain and you know my games teachers loved me and stuff <laughs> <laughs> no weird reference intended <laughs> no, 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 female no. games I did, teachers <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't take it that way <laughs> But um, yeah, so I was good at it. So I guess that was why I, I liked it as well, because I sort of could see results. And so in, no, in netball, you don't bounce the ball, do you? You no, throw you it between. Bounce. Yeah. And you can't move. You can't move once you land it. Yeah, you you can catch the ball like on the run, as it were. But once you put the first foot that lands, has to stay grounded and okay. you can pivot around on that foot so you can turn around to find a free player now someone can't tackle you it's a non-contact so they have player, to yeah. sort of like like dodgeball or something they have to get in the way and catch you yeah exactly you. like they can intercept a ball um but they can't touch you right you can't punch or pull hair or anything like that <laughs> um and you can't hold the ball for more than three seconds so it's very quick fire you can't hold it for more than three seconds no is there like an umpire or something there's an umpire yeah who run it there's two umpires tends to be run up and down either either sideline and, and look for if you're holding it too long and i suppose one day out. all of this will be computerized like everywhere <laughs> every other sport where yeah. it'll be like you know it'll the ball will know if you've held it for more yeah, than three minutes and it'll, it'll, it'll explode or something. <laughs> that, would, that would make the stakes very high <laughs> that would be fun <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh and yeah, you got to put it in the net. I, so I'm, yep. I'm saying this. I, I'm not. I'm not sporty. I don't really understand sports, but I, I, I do try and understand them. Yeah. And do you think you're competitive? Um. I've got a lot less competitive. My mum used to say that. Well, and I can remember obviously from being a kid growing up. And any board game we played, if I lost, or if I could see that I was going to lose, my mum would say, like, if we were playing, like, snakes and ladders, and I rolled the dice, and I could see, I could envisage that, like, five blocks along, I was going to go, what, down a snake? Was that it? Mm. Um, I'd get up and storm out before even moving really? the piece. Yeah. So I think I, w- I was obviously pretty competitive as a kid. But then I've, I've lost that competitive edge a lot. I think I still get quite, sort of, um, my competitiveness shows when I'm gonna sound like such a geek but like if there's if I'm in a pub quiz right yeah and I think I know the answer and I'm in a team of people who aren't sure about my answer I'll be like I'm right I am right that answer's right and that's when I get competitive if sort of there's like maybe someone else who's offering a different answer I'll be like no 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 I'm right I'm right so, okay. so that's that's sort of where I get competitive. I always get now. a bit nervous in pub quizzes when I think I'm right, and then I go, "Oh no, what if oh, it goes wrong?" And yeah, then everyone's going to blame me. I've learned that actually, because I like I said, I shout other people down, and I say I'm right, and then I turn out to be wrong. So I've, I've learned that 
you know, to my regret a few times, yeah. I've certainly, one of the things I've, just, I've learned since I've started recording most of my life and broadcasting it is that I'm so frequently wrong, uh, <laughs> that I'm trying to become more and more uncertain because it's just, it's just not nice to hear it back and realise, even when you're hearing it back, you know that you're wrong. Yeah, no, I hate that sort of, and I don't, you know, and I don't like it in other people and I don't like it in myself you know being so stubborn that you can't see when you're wrong and, and I do I, I think I can definitely identify that as one of my failings okay <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny with competitive stuff. I mean, the reason I asked you the question is because I thought that well, if you like to play sports, mm. then there must be a competitive side to you. Because mm. I mean, I've always I think that's the thing that I'm scared of sports about. I think partly I partly I always think well, why is there got to be winners and why is there got to be losers? Mm. That's kind of my ideological position I guess <laughs> but then there's my actual emotional position of if I actually do play something I do get really competitive right. and you then I get upset when I lose mm. yeah. so I try to avoid yeah. them for that reason really I definitely don't get upset <laughs> well, that's yeah. good yeah, that's, that's healthy that's maybe that's why you play sports and yeah I, don't. I think that's where I sort of I that's where the competitiveness stops definitely I think I want you know if we're on when we're on court and playing a game I'm quite vocal and I clap my hands and say come on guys but no I'm yeah if we lose we lose but it's with a team as well your competitivism is kind of also community as well isn't it it's a a group it's a team Mm -hmm. that's I, I mean that does appeal to me more than I mean I get upset in sort of I don't like playing board games like Risk or Monopoly or I don't like playing computer games where, the, you know, it's one versus one and, yeah. there's, you know, someone wins and someone loses and there's always humiliation involved. <laughs> but then I guess I, 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 I guess what I don't like doing is I don't like playing games against people who always win. But now when there I'm thinking about it, there are. There, and there yeah, are and, and, I've always got a couple of my friends. That's like that. not that fun, really. No when it's sort of either really mismatched or when the person you're playing against when it is a one-on-one when the person you're playing against hasn't sort of entered into it with a with a spirit of sort of fun and light-heartedness that is when I get yeah that's when I sort of get repelled from sport I get upset by that that's why I get upset by it yeah because I I sort of think you know this is really not fun but you see I think part of the reason I get upset about it is there must be some part of me that is that person but isn't good enough to Mm. be that person so (laughs) I mean I want to be the person going ah but I'm not actually good enough so there must be a little I mean, I probably Now I'm saying, ah, like that, I, I'm sure I say that myself when I win one point and then they beat me later. But I probably, so I, yeah, I probably, I, I understand the thing I hate, but anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so there, there we go. It's, I'm always surprised where I end up in conversation and there we go. There's another <laughs> thing to learn about myself. As far as I understand it, you have sort of done stuff with primary school kids is that right like yeah. teaching them how to do yeah, radio it was, stuff it was pretty brief but like I said I've been freelancing for the last 18 months or so and yeah a lot of that has been radio news as I've already described but another job another sort of gig <laughs> that I had um was tutoring an after school club aha yes. um yeah which was really I mean I said earlier that I never wanted to be a teacher and I kind of stick by that, but I definitely enjoyed the the 
putting all those sort of after school clubs together and but I mean after school clubs are a different thing from different. teaching because yeah. I've done some work yeah. with after school clubs yeah. and I mean they yeah. finish school they they're have. off so that can be that can be good mm-hmm. I guess like you're saying that you don't have to be that teacher role but, but it's, it can sometimes be bad as well. It's hard. It's, it's they, almost harder because they were so tired good for their stressed, teachers. Yeah. Like, you know, because there would be a moment where the crossover happened. They all filed into the room where, where I was and their teacher brought them in sort of thing and said goodbye, everyone. And they were just like, oh, they were so polite and lovely and yeah. well behaved. And then the teacher left. And obviously, yeah, I wasn't a teacher and I didn't have that same authority. No. And I'm not someone who can just sort of switch that sort of authority on. No. I have to really work at it, and I'm probably one of those annoying people as well. That's sort of like, oh, just, let's just be friends, you know, and then they'll respect me loads because we're we're mates and yeah. we're sort of peers and on the same level. But that doesn't really work. It only works secondary school, school kids, yeah. yeah. Only only works with late secondary school, mm. not even early secondary school. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I'm just probably too too relaxed and not quite authoritative enough. Although I, but think, I think they learn something. Well, I think, <laughs> really I, I think it's important for kids to have a range of different adult influences in their life. And so I think it would be a shame if the only adults that they met in a school environment were um, figures of authority yeah, in the kind of true. way that you're talking about. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably a good thing. But I mean, so so when you were working in these things, you were teaching them about radio stuff or was it all you just working in an after school club? I mean, um, I, I, oh no! It was sort of, it was dedicated to radio. Yes. So we sort of set up, you know, our own radio station in that we sort of came up with a name and branded it, and um, they produced little sort of radio jingles. You did know. they get into it? Did they? They sort did. Of... Yeah, they did. I think. I mean. God dare I say it? You know, radio is not the top of their agenda. No, they probably don't. You know. They probably never listened to radio. Well, I mean, how, how old were they? <laughs> Testing me now. I want to say about they were year f- five in primary, which okay. is the second to last. So I think they were sort of ten, nine, nine and ten, yeah. nine and ten. Um, yeah, and the very first session we sort of discussed how they listened to radio. The answers they were giving me were like you know through my TV, which is quite new obviously and in the car you know very few of them actually had their own personal radios that they just that they had in their sort of bedrooms or whatever yeah so they were listening sort of in a very different way but you know I think radio is still important to them from a music point of view and mm. we, it took me a while to sort of realize that it was far more engaging than to them to talk about the sort of music programming on radio because they're all listening to the chart music and stuff compared to the way I consume radio now which is far more sort of talk Based yeah. programming and stuff, and obviously, you listen to music in wildly different ways now than just on the radio. No, that's right. I never, I never really listen to music on radio. Mm. I mean, it's mostly speech-based yeah. radio I listen to. Although most of my consuming now is is podcasts. Yeah. Although a lot of that's radio. Nearly yeah. everything that you know, yeah. as you know, nearly everything that's on radio is available in some form on the internet mm. now. So that's. And actually, I think we probably approach the after-school stuff from a more podcasting point of view anyway because we didn't have a broadcasting no. license we weren't broadcasting as a radio station and anyway you we want producing to have something to take home yeah. and listen to at home as well that's the yeah. thing about podcasts you can listen to them whenever you yeah. like and so if you were broadcasting in a school you, I don't know how you'd do it I mean I no, guess you'd exactly. have to have a little FM thing yeah and my university didn't. had a little FM thing mm. which nobody I, I did a lot of I did. well I didn't do a lot of work at my university on the, in the radio but I had friends who did mm. I did do stuff I did a, I had a 
I did a music show, and I did a comedy show, cool. but nobody there was nobody could hear them. The, the, mm. the, 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 there was like about five buildings where you could hear it. So I don't know why I bothered doing it, but it was a good <laughs> that experience. Fun. It, yeah. was, it was good. It yeah, was I good. never stepped inside my university radio station, which was really, yeah, I that was definitely before I started considering radio and broadcasting as a sort of a career. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's a funny thing. I, I never really considered a, a, a career in audio which is strange now because mm-hmm. I seem to this is seems to be all I'm doing but 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 when I look back I sort of like you say about school I sort of fell into audio mm. repeatedly and I, I think the reason is it's easy to do with a low budget mm, you can yeah. make like when I've written radio plays I can make great things happen yeah. that, that you can't necessarily do if you got there's no point in me writing a film script because I won't get it produced but I can write a radio play yeah and it was. It could sound potentially like a film. It could sound yeah. like this. You could have a science fiction radio play, but if you write a science fiction film, you, you're you you're limited in special box. effects. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And I mean, I've always, I've worked in TV before, and just find myself always coming back to radio. I like the simplicity of it, but saying that, it's perhaps more simple to produce but it's a lot tougher to produce quality stuff I think mm. than it is when you've got especially considering news and journalism and stuff if you've got footage of I don't know the royal wedding <laughs> say you know that's pretty visually stimulating and people are going to sort of be interested in this, you know in, in what they're watching but if you're trying to describe it and using noise and just your voice you know it's a lot lot trickier and I've always appreciated I think when people do that well it's mm. like I'm just so in awe of it that's why I like Radio Lab but that, I think that's an important point though about radio is that I mean as an artist and when I talk to other people who make music or make or write or whatever one of the things that often comes up is if you have restrictions it, it pushes you to make better work mm. and uh, that's that's having no visuals is a massive restriction and so it does push people to make better work Absolutely, hopefully yeah yeah so i mean that's a good thing yeah that is a good thing although the, i guess the, the the flip side of that is that there is a lot of people who just cannot relate to things without visuals this this i do come yeah. up against those people mm. yeah but at the same time they're getting catered for so, yeah you exactly know, it's nice to to cater for everyone and and produce a variety of things and well, not I, just limit yourself. I also think the more we the more we have multiple medias going on at the same time, the less it matters. So if you're on the internet and you're listening to a podcast, which is I mean, that's how I consume most podcasts. I'm you know, I might yeah, be on a bus or a train but I'm on my phone yeah. looking at at Twitter and Facebook and I'm listening to a podcast at the same time and it doesn't matter that there's no visual thing because I've got something to look at yeah. I think what people feel awkward about is when they, they don't know where to look do they? Yeah. And, and, then, and then they're sort of sitting there going you know what do I look at but I went to a radio I can say screening but that's not quite true broadcasting I guess a night you know in London and it was sort of a prize winning documentary being broadcast and played out and you know we're all sort of sat in the room and obviously with a cinema or anything the lights go down and the screen comes up and you just watch but this was literally a room full of people sat in a darkened you know darkened room lights down listening to a radio documentary and yeah and there was that 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 moment of like 
where do I look? What am I doing? But you get into it, and especially when the lights are down, that helps. Cause well, you can shut your eyes as well. You can shut your eyes, yeah. exactly. You don't look like a fool who's falling asleep or anything. You just sort of, you're just listening intently. So, yeah. And I think with audio as well, a lot of the time you're on your own as mm. well. I mean, like, that's the thing. If you're on your own, it doesn't matter where you look. Mm. You, can, you can close your eyes, you can look at a wall, you can do whatever, because it doesn't matter. It's when you're with other people that that, that, that kind of yeah. concern comes in. I mean, I I think it's that's the that's another reason why I think it increasingly will be more important to people now because you're commuting or you've got you know you're when you have time on your own it, it fits with that sort of a lifestyle and mm. I think that a lot of people do have those lifestyles now and it yeah. can actually enrich those people's lives especially I mean a lot of people listen to podcasts or the radio at work whether with their boss's permission or not mm. but it gets them through yeah and that's something that people don't think about if they don't have the kind of job where that's appropriate they don't realize that there might be loads of people out there getting through their day jobs by listening, by listening to yeah. podcasts and, and, and or radio and mm. i think that's a that's a, a a great thing really it can kind of connect with people's lives in a more if you're watching tv you're watching tv and you're sitting down, mm. you know, whereas audio is portable. Yeah. Well, and with sort of the way things are changing, like smartphones and everything, and like you say, on your commute, I mean, the new devices that we all have now is making TV less spectacular mm. because the screen is so much smaller, the quality or whatever gets compromised. Maybe not, you know, necessarily on every device, but the screen is certainly smaller and the experience, I think, therefore, is compromised. Whereas with audio, it doesn't matter about what size the screen is, you know, however small your phone is, if you can listen to an MP3 on it or whatever. I know MP3 is a dirty, sort of compressed little file, but, you know, ultimately, hopefully, the quality and the experience of listening is no different to if you're listening on a huge boombox or whatever. So, yeah. No, I agree. This is about the stage of the interview where I ask if you have anything that you'd like to plug mm. <laughs> which always um, throws people as well I don't really no I mean I've got loads of friends who are very talented and brilliant people who well you know tell people about them oh okay yeah one thing Marina who <laughs> yeah. I do Sweet Afternoon with she's been toiling away in the background working on a new radio show for a, with her friend Polly, so I'm not involved in this, for a radio station in East London called Extreme East. And they are launching and they're gonna be doing their first live show in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that will be definitely worth listening to. I'm guessing they're launching under the names of Marina and Polly. I don't think they're calling it anything. So then, then they're launching it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. This probably won't go out in the next couple of weeks. Right, right. So, so it will be if an we ongoing say something thing. like, yeah, you know, Listen to Extreme East because you'll hear their radio show. So it's be a show on Extreme East. Yes, yeah. they are two very talented people and deserve a lot of listeners. <laughs> and so you've got, and you've got Sweet Afternoon uh-huh. Radio as well, which I'll link to. Even though you're not plugging it now, we yeah, talked about it. Yeah, I mean it's earlier. a blog, and me and I sort of know that there's we do all the work behind the scenes, but there's nothing really to like. We get commissions and we research things and we pitch things. So there's all that sort of stuff but it doesn't necessarily lend itself Not to being, the website yeah. unfortunately so it's there and it's a, it's also sort of a blog we like to just sort of if we've heard something nice on the radio that we like and want to share then we share it so oh, fantastic yeah so we're on twitter as sweet afternoon that's right i follow you cool. um and i think you follow me which is yeah. <laughs> which is always nice yeah, 
Brilliant. Well, it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you. Thank you. And uh, do you want to say goodbye to the audience? Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. I hope it's been fun listening. Goodbye. <laughs> find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast you can find it on Facebook it's Getting Better Acquainted have a search on Facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk you can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way and on the Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the app store there are lots of ways to get better acquainted i'm running a live show at the leicester square theater in london it's called stand up tragedy you can find out more about it at www.standuptragedy.co.uk but it's also available as a weekly podcast which features extracts from the show you can get that through itunes through stitcher smart radio through the website through soundcloud wherever all places that you can get podcasts you can pretty much find stand-up tragedy so have a listen and see if you like it because if you like getting better acquainted you might also like that it has more of me talking i have the compare of the show and it has lots and lots of tragic acts sometimes funny sometimes serious sometimes musical sometimes something completely different but all tragedy all tragic the live nights are on the first monday of every month from february to june 2012 so the next one will be on the 2nd of april that's monday the 2nd of april and if you want to come along to the night and you're booking online please use the promo code TRAGIC when you do so to get a couple of quid off. Be great to see you there.